what a week it's been. So much to talk about and so many things we can't talk about. I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. And we'd like to welcome you to Behind the Gorilla, a podcast where we delve into the wild, wacky, and crazy side of professional wrestling. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Behind the Gorilla. And um, yeah, this should um, th- this should be this should be a fun one. At least I hope so, because Harris's last one exploded, so he has the bragging rights now on one of the better uh, received episodes. As our monster truck one from last week is uh, got got a lot of listens. That's for sure. We figured it out before we went on the air. We were talking and we were like, wait. That actually makes a lot of sense because I feel like there's a significant monster truck fan base out there. And the reason that they did that angle in the first place is probably because they figured there had to be a pretty significant overlap. Or if you're into monster truck racing, you're the kind of person who could very easily get into wrestling. Which is very true, I would I would believe. Right. right. So this might be a monster truck podcast. It's not. Here. You know, who knows? <laughs> well, it's not nice. this week. <laughs> Okay, right. Well, maybe season four. Well, in two weeks when maybe. we start season four. Right, right, right. Oh man, maybe we might need to look into that. Same. We're gonna fan have base. to because we don't. We we barely keep up with like Raw and SmackDown anymore, which is not why people listen to this in the first place. If they listen, but you know, I mean, I, I, I almost I, feel bad because every week I'm like, yeah, I read the recap and that sounded pretty crazy, and I watched one highlight and that was cool. But, but look, 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 like, look! You're you're selling it short. We very much keep up with what's going on. We just don't watch it every week. <laughs> right. Where we? I mean, we we know what's going on. I mean, you know, Daniel Bryan has a new belt and it's amazing. Oh, oh it's awesome! It's so great. The Hempian <laughs> It's amazing. Great. That is so brilliant. Oh, I love it. I love it. I do too. It is such a wonderful heel move. I think it is fantastic. Um, it's gonna be weird when somebody beats him and burns it or something oh it's gonna be amazing i can't wait it absolutely is i can't wait so that's probably the highlight of raw or smackdown that and becky lynch punching charlotte in the face which was pretty good that's very satisfying it is turn ronda rousey heel man they have to because she's gonna get booed and if they try to turn her into roman reigns then she's gonna be roman reigns yep you know she she will be that She's she's exactly like Roman Reigns. Nice presence and whatever, but just awful on the mic and annoying her... and everyone's gonna just hate her for the sake of hating her and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we failed we've failed with Roman for like four years in a row. How do you not learn by now? I, d- I don't know. I it's like Vince only knows how to write I mean not that he's writing it, but he only knows how to like pitch and produce and direct one kind of it's hero. true. He does. He you know, 100% does. John Cena. It's like like John Cena, Hulk Hogan. And if you're not that, and you don't have that level then you of have charisma, to stumble into he it. doesn't know what to do with you. <laughs> then you have to stumble into it if you're Basically, any other type yeah. of thing. Or you have to have, you know, like the innate ability to do your own thing right. and understand your own character. Like, you know, like a Steve Austin sort of situation right. where he's so in tune with that part of himself that he could just do it. True. And like... Ronda Rousey's a very good performer, but they didn't sign her for her public speaking, and it shows, and she's just drowning out there. That's why I, I really heard... hate to see it, honestly. Well, it's... no, she's – it's weird because, like, on Raw, 
do it during her little scripted promo thing. It was awful, and she was dying. And then as soon as I don't know if she went off script, I don't know if it was written or what. But as soon as she started to say her own thing, it was awesome to Becky yeah. Lynch. And and like I, it almost. I, I think I'll I'll just attribute this to Becky being really a good actor or whatever. But it looked like Becky was totally thrown off. Like yeah. like like she kept her face the same, but it, it looked like she had no answer when Rhonda was yeah. like, I can kill you. And it was like, Yes, that's what we like, want. <laughs> right. Because well, she like, can. I don't know how much of this is gonna be intentional or not. Like one, this is gonna be a fascinating build to at least watch highlights of the next day if we don't get to watch that much Raw Live and build up to <laughs> WrestleMania. But for a couple reasons, which is like, one, how okay with Ron- is, is Ronda Rousey with getting dunked on every week? Did she understand that was going to be her role here? She yeah. seems to have a good sense of like what wrestling is all about. And when she signed up for this, I think she knew what she was getting into, especially as they saw Becky get hotter and hotter and she kind of realized they were going to have a shot at this main event of WrestleMania. But there is a very, like, really, if she ever would just take it too far and Ronda were, were to snap, she could kill her. Like, that's right. a very real thing to be aware of. And I love that because that's yeah, the Ronda we've all been wanting to see. I know. Since I know. she and got here and she keeps doing this stupid little happy to be here shtick. Well, or it's not I a shtick. It's like, the way she really feels. But I, I, it's awful. It's an awful look. I and I, And look, she... Doesn't have to be there for, I don't know how to put this. She doesn't have to be there, there for all the little girls. That That's not what her role should be. Like, there's other characters that fit that role. She needs to be there for, I'm going to kill everybody. Yeah. Well, and I think, like, I think part of it is them trying to get ahead of, like, a Roman Reigns reaction. But Because they said, okay, we've got this woman, she's coming in, she's not like a trained wrestler in the traditional sense, like she's very good, but we need to make sure that these people know that we don't want to push her at the expense of the other wrestlers. And we want to make sure that the fans know that she knows that she's like a rookie to all of this. So they've they've been trying to make her nice in an effort to prevent us from hating her. And it's sort of like, it's bought her some goodwill most of this year. Yeah. But it's to the point now where it's like, one, it's running stale, and two, we're putting her up against like the hottest act in the WWE right now, like all yeah. of it, not just women's wrestling. Right. So she's going to get booed, and I think they have to recognize that and lean into it. And this is the other thing is, if Becky goes at like eleven every week until WrestleMania, then there won't be any conflict left. If she just dunks yeah. on her every week after week after week in their promos, that's true. She's going to fizzle it out. Like, she has to sell something that Rhonda says to her at some point to make this feel like a fight. It's you true. Know what I mean? That's a good point. She she easily could snuff this fire out if she keeps right. going at it this hard. I didn't even think about that until you said that. That's 100% true. There and has I to assume, be a give and take here. Yeah. Yeah. Just to keep the build interesting, you know? And I don't know. I, I hope somebody's kind of realized that. I feel like since she joined, like Rhonda's been smart enough to understand kind of how things work and what the fans are like. And I hope she has the, you know, I was really psyched after the Royal Rumble match with Sasha because they kept walking back and facing off again and again. And I was like, oh, Rhonda's going to turn. Like, how perfect would that be? And just let her play this 
arrogant heel. You know, I hate wrestling. This is dumb. I hate you fans. Becky's dumb. Running into WrestleMania. Just, you know, like everyone's going to cheer for Becky anyway. Just let them parlay that into a really clean split and not this weird Ronda Rousey wants to be a good guy, but we're all booing her anyway. The only problem if she goes that far is then when you're constantly dunked on, it's even worse if you can't come back. That's true. So that's the only thing I would have some pause with her doing a full-fledged heel turn like that. But but you, that's the thing. You don't even have to do that. Just keep having her act like this because Becky's yes. not a yeah. face. Becky's not a face or a heel. So you don't necessarily need Ronda to be a full-fledged either one either. So No, that's a fair point. I think you're right about that. So we'll, you know, we'll see. But um, that's definitely we'll the most see. interesting thing going on right now. And, uh, yeah, not a, not a ton else. It was, uh, the Becky Ronda thing and then the hemp belt. That's really the, my only takeaways from, <laughs> from this past week of programming. I can, like, I can remember other things that happened. Yeah. But nothing I really care to talk about that no. much, you know? Like, no. oh, R-Truth won the U.S. title. Yeah. Great. He's going to lose it in two weeks. It's Probably. Fine. <laughs> Probably. Who cares? Anyway. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, we might as well get started with this week's episode, of course. I did this yesterday, and I swear these are taking longer and longer to do. It's driving me nuts. <laughs> it takes like four or five hours to go through all this stuff. The less time you leave for yourself, the longer it takes every single time. Yeah, that's true, too. Well, I'm always going to probably do it on Saturday because that's like my only free day of in yep. some, some form or fashion. But anyway, so this episode is actually... A requested episode. Hey, all right. Um, from probably our biggest uh, supporter on Twitter at Mister Bagshow or ba- Bagshaw, and um, they've he's literally been there since probably like the first couple weeks. We had the Twitter page up. All right, and, um, we got his name wrong. We got his name wrong on the show. <laughs> Congratulations. Oh well, we we still love you, <laughs> and. No, but he, he uh, sent me a suggestion for this a couple of weeks ago, and I, um, I, I, I liked the idea. I didn't know about it. I was intrigued, and it was a WWF thing, so we're going to push okay. back from WCW bashing for a while. Sweet. All right, so what we are going to have to do is we're going to go to SummerSlam, or uh, actually we're going to go to Royal Rumble in 1994, and there was a match between Yokozuna and The Undertaker. And it was a casket match. And Yokozuna defeated The Undertaker because and it was it was a close, you know, it was, it was a good match. Undertaker was winning and he he had Yokozuna beat. I mean, he had him, he rolled him into the casket, but he couldn't close the lid because every heel in the company basically came out and and attacked The Undertaker at this point. Just, you know, but he's holding his own. He's beating everyone. He's he's fighting all comers. He's taking them out. He, a couple of times, still almost wins the match. But then eventually the numbers game just catches up with him. And, uh, you know, and he gets beat up. He gets destroyed and rolled into the casket. The lid's closed. He loses. And then all the heels are rolling the casket back up the ramp. And all of a sudden they stop. The gong sounds. And smoke starts coming out of the casket. It's this very creepy, weird scene. And then all of a sudden, the lights go out, and then up on the Titantron, 
the under you see the Undertaker like inside the casket. So it's like a inside shot, but it's clearly was shot with the open lid of the casket and just a camera pointed down at some point earlier on. Right. But that's that's the thing. And all of a sudden you see Undertaker's head like snap forward and his eyes come come open and he gives a Undertaker promo of some sort. They're all pretty much the from, same. From the casket? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. From inside the casket. Theory? Yeah, uh, uh, that that's what we're supposed to believe, yes. And and he does a thing about talking about rebirth and you will, you know, I will not rest in peace and something like that. And then all of a sudden this like electric looking light goes over the screen and you hear like, you know, electricity sizzling and popping and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden there's an explosion and then it's like a lit outline of the undertaker and just a black screen, like his whole body. And then all of a sudden it just like floats over the top of the screen and is gone. It's, it's, it's weird. And, um, and, and, you know, Vince, Vince is the broadcaster at this point with Jerry Lawler and he's just yelling, what's going on? And we all, we all agree because no one knows yeah, what's question. going on. <laughs> it's a very strange segment. And, um, I like that because I feel like, like clearly he's just died or left. Right. Plane yeah, I guess. And yeah. In some, I, some former fashion. Most of the cat. When I think of a casket match, I don't think of it as being a death match per se. Like, I understand the imagery and all that, right. but it's not like a buried alive match where, like, it looks like the dirt covers you and crushes you to death or whatever. Or, like, you know, the one where uh, Paul Bearer is killed by cement. Yeah. And it's gimmicked to look like he's literally, you know, drowned in wet cement. It's You're just put in a box. But that was enough yeah. to kill him, evidently. Maybe he sustained a beating beforehand. Well, he that's did. Legit. That's what I... I, don't know. I mean, yeah, it might have been the beating. But in any case, he was not seen for several months But because he's actually out with a back injury, like for real. Perfect. And so that was yeah. the... This was the way they, they did that. But don't, don't for a second think that The Undertaker is forgotten because this definitely is not the case. So during this time, they started showing clips of, like... People like regular people claiming to have seen the Undertaker, like, and this goes on for months throughout, like the spring and summer and everything. And, when you and, say regular, no, people, no, no, I'm sorry, I mean, I mean, literally, I, I swear they just had some B roll, some B crew go out in whatever local town they were in, and just go to shops or whatever, and just film people. They gave him some thing of ta- that they needed to say about the undertaker and just film them i mean that that's that's what they're 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 insane like you one know, so guy I'm getting some major lost in cleveland vibes right now that's yes what I'm yes imagining. yes no that's exactly what it is and and it's around the same time too yeah and um <laughs> and like one guy's in a donut shop saying a huge guy who looked like undertaker came in and ordered six dozen donuts <laughs> and 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 another was a guy working in an upholstery shop claiming a guy came in asking for him to upholster his coffin. Um there's just another like wow. random old guy saying he saw something and there's a guy saying he saw Undertaker on top of a hearse like driving along the road. I don't know what that means, but then then they show like a little like preschool classroom and it's a little girl who says she saw him going down the slide now let's pause for a second here (laughs) not only are these random sightings of the undertaker going on 
Apparently, Undertaker is creeping out at preschools. There's many problems with this. And, like, nobody's freaked out about any of this. No, it's well, it's very it's, casual. It's, like, I saw a guy look like The Undertaker. Like, Yeah, it's, a, it's everyone's favorite lovable, huggable Undertaker. Yes, it's, 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 it's weird. And there's, there's several other ones, too. Like, there's a ton. To be fair, I saw Undertaker going down the slide does sound like something somebody in my (laughs) kindergarten class would have said. (laughs) But I don't think anyone else would have taken him seriously. Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah, but they do these for months. and None could be substantiated or anything, and none of them were ever sure that they saw him. What are the odds? Then in June, Ted DiBiase, who, remember, is the guy who first brought in The Undertaker back in Uh 1990, I believe, or 91. Yeah, it was 90, I think. And um, so he comes out and says that he has been in contact with The Undertaker and has found The Undertaker. And on an episode of Superstars, which, of course, I got all excited because I was like, oh, WWE made this big thing if they added Superstars onto the list. No, they added one year of Superstars, and it's 1993. <laughs> Screw you, but- WWE and WWE <laughs> Network. Never anything that I actually have to go through. But I need these to go through. It would have made my job so much easier. (laughs) (sighs) Anyway, because this is at this point, Raw is going on. It's in its like it's in its like second year. But Raw is nothing more than any of the other lame TV shows that WWE had. It was just another one. Um, You know, it was an hour long. There was usually only two matches on it. It, you know, I mean, that's that's the way that was the name of the game at this point. It was all about pay-per-views and house shows. Anyway, so, on an, you know, The Undertaker is brought out by Ted DiBiase. And, you know, it's this big deal. Undertaker's back. It's, it actually brought him back during a Shawn Michaels talking segment called Heartbreak Hotel, which Great. was pretty, which was amazing. Um, but, uh you know, but but you know, it's the whole question of you know, has has the Undertaker rejoined with Ted DiBiase? Because of course, Undertaker was a heel when he first came in with Ted DiBiase, and then he was quote unquote saved by Paul Bear. Um, and so then on the July Fourth episode of Ross, this is maybe like a week later or something, he brings out the Undertaker again, and he defeats Mike Bell, just some jobber, I guess. And also, during this time, Paul Bear came out and, like, you know, questioning this because he hasn't had any contact with The Undertaker at this point. So he's questioning Teddy Biasi and all this other stuff. And then, so Paul Bear comes out after this match and he's, like, doing his weird, creepy, trying to, like, coax him back to him, like, over uh-huh. in the corner. And Undertaker, like, kind of starts to walk towards him. But then Teddy Biasi starts freaking out and starts pulling out stacks of hundreds. And, like, showing them towards Undertaker's face. And Undertaker, like, is turning. And then eventually, like, goes back with Ted DiBiase. And so Paul Bear, like, can't believe it. Like, he's shook at this point. And he doesn't believe that this is the real Undertaker. Because he's saying the Undertaker is not influenced by money. Right. That makes sense. So the next week, Paul Bear is shown on the screen. He, he says all those things that he doesn't think this is real. And, and you know, the money doesn't entice undertaker and he has re he has found him and he's regained contact with the true dead man. So at SummerSlam, the match is announced that it will be undertaker versus undertaker. And that's going to be the match at SummerSlam. And at this point, nobody really knows what's going on because Teddy Biasi has what, appears to be the undertaker 
And Paul Bear is saying that that's not, and he's found the Undertaker, but we've never seen anyone from Paul Bear. So that, and that's one thing that Ted DiBiase has said. Um, but now we got to pause again because it gets even better. And, the, you know, a lot of times when we do this show, we have the topic and everything. And then all of a sudden, you read something that you didn't know before, and uh-huh. it makes the topic a million times better. And you're like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, yes, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. This was the moment. So, okay, as if this whole angle couldn't get any weirder. On an episode of WWF Mania, which was like their Saturday morning show, Todd uh, Todd Pettengill, who was kind of their weird... I, he had to have been a former disc jockey of some sort. He's like their weird guy who promotes stuff and talks about stuff. He's strange. But anyway, it's him and Jerry Lawler. And they announce that... To get to the bottom of this Undertaker mystery, they, uh, the powers that be, have hired Leslie Nielsen to figure this out. Oh my goodness. This is, you know, Airplane, Leslie Nielsen, The Naked Gun, Leslie Nielsen, and, and there are several segments that Nielsen does leading up to the pay-per-view. And they are they are behind the gorilla worthy is is a good way to to put it. He's in full naked gun form as Detective uh, Frank Dribben, because mm-hmm. uh, I believe Naked Gun thirty three and a third was coming out around this time. So that's ah, part that of makes it. Makes sense then. So part of that WWE cross promotion stuff. And so there's one, and he's. I'll explain a little bit, then I'll, then I'll play the clip because I, I have all the clips here, but but obviously you can't see them, and a lot of the and a lot of the humor is uh you know right. visual with the double entendres and and puns and stuff. If, if you if any of you haven't seen the Naked Gun or Police Squad, then you probably won't get a lot of this humor. Um, but anyway, so this one it shows him in front of a green screen with like different city backgrounds and he's talking about how he's been searching all over the world for the undertaker and he claims every trail he's followed has led to a dead end and it ends with him like claiming he's onto something while heading down a street with a sign that says dead end and um i'll just i'll just play this first one here they're, they're all pretty short to solve the case of the Undertakers. For weeks, I've been flying all over the world, tracking down every lead I could in my attempts to solve this mystery of the Undertaker. Every trail I followed led to another dead end. I don't know what it is, but I feel I'm onto something. And that's when he's going down the dead end street. <laughs> so that that's the first one. And um, th- these are kind of peppered in throughout the month of August and stuff leading up to uh, the pay-per-view, which is at the end of August. And um, there was another one where, like, kind of one of the first ones where he's talking about finding the Undertaker and it shows him kind of, like, dressed in the hat and whatever, and that's kind of weird. And then there's another one. Where he's in his office. This is one of the best ones. 
He's in his office with like stacks of paper everywhere. It's like his detective office or whatever. And he's dictating into a recorder about the case. And then his phone rings and it's his Domino's order. Now, Domino's is the sponsor for SummerSlam. You have to bear that in mind. Um, you don't say. Yeah, I know. And and so he says, you know, bring bring it on, uh, bring it in. And then he drops, he like drops his pin or he's looking for his pin. So he's under his desk. And all of a sudden, a knock comes at the door. And it's the silhouette of the Undertaker saying, pizza. <laughs> and he just goes, just put it on the desk, not looking. And the Undertaker comes he in, drops him. it off and leaves. And then he like comes up and then he remarks, he's like, oh, I got colder in here. And that's the segment. So I'll play this one because this is great. Detectives log, one of the most mysterious superstars of the WWF is missing and they've come to me as the one man with the ability and the know-how to find him. The one man, they say, who can track down anything. To locate missing persons requires organization, discipline, intelligence. But the most important thing of all is, uh, yeah, Domino's, send it right up. The most important thing of all is never going to work on an empty stomach. Now, where did I put my pen? Oh, boy. Yes. Pizza. Now put it on the desk. Boy, it suddenly got colder out here. And uh, you know, that, that's another one. So apparently during this whole stretch, Undertaker is a Domino's delivery person. Well, this does really jive with the idea of people around town seeing him do some pretty like ordinary activities. <laughs> I know. You know, that actually sort of checks out. Like he's just kind of he, – he took some time away from wrestling to uh, reupholster his casket and slide down slides and he moonlights as a pizza <laughs> delivery man for a little while. It all that's That's all – Right. Perfectly sensible. <laughs> but at the same time, like the other part of this is take is very serious. So right. none of this fits it's the at all. None of this fits. And that that's that's the best part is it makes it just makes no sense character wise or storyline wise. So it's wonderful. Um, all right. So the last one is uh, has a little bit more in it in it. And it has him at a pool. Where Ray Rougeau is trying to do like a stand-up, talking about The Undertaker, and Nielsen walks past, causing Ray to fall into the pool, and then he does a line about he's out there trying to catch Ray's, as he's like trying to stop Ray from falling into the pool. Oh, man. And oh, man. Uh, classic, na- you know, classic naked Ooh. gun. And uh, he sits down, and also there's Macho Man there with some girls who are all over him, but he says... Careful, girls. This is like a family program or something like that. <laughs> and then, uh, then there's like a nerdy kid sitting in the chair next to him and says, "If he was as good as as he says he is, then this case would be solved by now." And then he's like lamenting that he's still tormented about the question, "How can there be two Undertakers?" And also, he's reading a magazine. He says, "I've been scanning a, uh, around the globe for the Undertaker," and it's a, he pulls up a magazine called Around the Globe with the Undertaker like on the cover. So that was that was funny, man. And, okay, uh, that that's a lot. That's a lot of. There's a lot going on. To unpack there. Um, yeah. Then then him then then he sees himself staring at him from the chair, and 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 the guy and himself who was walked in 
says that this man's like an imposter or whatever and has him arrested. And then he like turns and says he will solve this case at SummerSlam. It's very, it's very bizarre. And so we'll, uh, we'll play this one here. All right, fans, Ray Rougeau here. The Undertaker mystery is thickening. I want to start that over. I didn't like it. There I was, heading poolside, trying to catch some rain. Ah. Sorry, Ray. The girls were feeling macho. Macho, man, you're so big. Easy now, girls. It's family entertainment. (laughs) I had work to do. I was scanning around the globe for clues to the biggest mystery of our time. The sun was extremely bright. If your deductive capabilities were a fraction of what you professed, this incogitable caper would have been solved by now. Thank you, son. Right kid. And he was right. After all this time, I'm still tormented by that one burning question. How can there be two undertakers? Maybe one is corrupt like you. Police, arrest that man. (laughs) I will solve this case at SummerSlam. Wait, 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 wait. So not only are there two Undertakers, there's now two Leslie Nielsen's. Uh, apparently, uh, apparently, but but one was taken away, so now there's just one again. Well, I hope that was the <laughs> fake one. I know, right? I guess we'll never know. We won't. We'll never be sure. Oh man. So uh, yeah, that was another one. Um, all right. So now we're gonna move to August fifteenth, and so this is two weeks before SummerSlam, and it's an episode of Raw. Because I don't have superstars that I can find to watch. Screw you, WWE Network. And um, Teddy Biasi joins the king on the king's court. and Which is Jerry Lawler's little talk segment. WWE loved talk segments. If you, don't, if you haven't gotten this drift, I like know, wrestling in the-, in the 90s really loved themed talk segments a lot. They still do it. Yeah, but not nearly the bad. same. Not even close to the same level. But, yeah, no, but that's right. true. Um, so Ted DiBiase has joined the King on it and King asked Ted DiBiase about Paul Bear's comments, you know, that he has the real undertaker and Ted DiBiase has an imposter. Ted says he's the man who first brought in the undertaker. So he's clearly the man who's brought back the undertaker. Paul Bear has shown us nothing. So why should we believe him? Uh, Paul Bear then is brought out and he, he's asked about, and he says the undertaker will destroy the imposter. Paul Bear does not get enough credit for how good of a promo that he was. Mm-hmm. His promos are fantastic. Yeah, um, he's a creepy dude. He, he, he pairs really well with The Undertaker. Oh, it, it's it's great. And so he's cutting a promo on Teddy Biasi saying that his Undertaker is going to destroy the imposter. And Ted's like, well, you can say it to him yourself. Because then he brings out The Undertaker. And Undertaker goes after Paul Bear, grabbing his throat. And then the lights all go out, though. And you hear, like, the gong. And then when the lights come back on, like, Paul Bear's been freed from the grasp. And he's leaving the arena and he's claiming that the undertaker saved him and is here, but we never see anything. Right. So then on superstars, there's a segment with uh Ted DiBiase in the ring. And then, you know, he's talking something. And then it was probably that heartbreak. I think it was that heartbreak hotel thing again. And then on the screen, you see Paul bear and he says, he's, you know, he has his undertaker here. And then, and then you hear the voice of the undertaker, cutting a promo on Ted DiBiase, but you never see him or on the Titan Tron or anything. So now we go to SummerSlam and in a backstage segment, we get Leslie Nielsen who is hot on the trail of the undertaker. 
Um, he walks around and and he thinks he's found the Undertaker, but it turns out it's actually his naked gun partner, George Kennedy. So now both of them are here, and George George says that they're both on the case, and then he means they're on the case, and they're both yep. actually standing on an actual I case. Knew it. And uh, then they walk off in different directions. See, Harris, you're you're starting to pick up, you know, the (laughs) themes here. And uh, later in the show, and and so they cut back to them a couple times throughout SummerSlam. Um, You know, later we see them, like, kind of looking around and all the lights are off and whatever. And then you hear, like, Mr. McMahon saying, there's there's Leslie Nielsen looking for The Undertaker. And then it shows, like, a spotlight on them. And they're, like, freaking out with the spotlight. Because, like, they, they were thinking they were, like, being undercover. So they're like, get the get the light away, you know, like oh, like they're funny. they're blowing their cover. That's funny. And um, so that was that that was pretty funny. And um, let's see where do, where do we have next. And then behind them during this, you see like the shadow of the Undertaker like emerge near the entrance ramp, and so all the crowds uh-huh. freaking out like, there he is, look at it. And then they're all like, what, where? And then like by the time they turn <laughs> and look, it's gone. Um, and then they head back that direction. So now, now it's time for the match. This is what we've been building to for months now. Oh, that's right. This is a wrestling show, right. isn't it? And let <laughs> let me let me lead with this. At this time, Bret Hart is the WWF champion. This is during his run. At uh-huh. this time, they have started a feud with him and Owen Hart. Like it's this whole big, huge feud with the Hart family. And. They're going to have a match for the title in a steel cage. That is not the main event. The main event is Undertaker versus Undertaker. So for all we say about WWE being stupid now and not caring about the championships, WWE has never cared about titles in the history of the company. Ever. Ever. It's true. They, they, They really haven't. That was literally, that's the only thing that I knew about this story, is that there is this Undertaker versus Undertaker match at SummerSlam, and it main evented over what was just an absolute barn burner of a match between Bret and Owen Hart. Yep. And obviously, that does, you know, that sucks for him, and it sucks more for Owen, and it's very frustrating and disappointing. To me, it's also kind of hilarious that the company has always been this way. Oh, they've and always been always idiots. Been, there have always been these title holders like Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles, CM Punk, Bret Hart, that are just quietly grinding away in the semi-main event with the friggin' title because there's some other dumb crap that we'd rather focus on. That's very funny to me that it isn't a modern phenomenon at all. No, no. I mean, Bret Hart was the original CM Punk. Why do you? I mean, why do you think that was part of the whole reason why he left? I mean, that. I mean, there was you know the money involved. There was other things too, but that was another thing. He was on top for like two years and never right. and he just paid never, any attention. Nobody ever cared. Yeah. Right. So that that I thought was pretty funny. Um, so now we come to the main event. This is what we've been waiting for. We've been building. And it's time, you know, Ted DiBiase comes out, introduces his undertaker who makes his way to the ring, like, you know, a half a centimeter an hour. And then the other undertaker is announced and Paul Bear comes out leading a casket that is being pushed by two druids. Oh, that's cool. And 
Yeah, except for the casket says rest in peace on the top with a picture of the Undertaker painted on <laughs> it. Just in case you didn't right. get it. So it's Just goofy. Just in case you're a kid at home like, that's not the Undertaker. So even though, even though we have a casket, it still looks goofy. And the last time he was seen was when he got thrown into a casket. But it was a different casket, but yeah. Um, so anyway, comes out to the ring, pushed by druids. They get to ringside, and then Paul Bear opens up the casket, and inside is not the Undertaker, but an urn. And so Paul Bear then is, you know, has the urn in the ring, and he opens it, and this beam of light shoots up out of the out of the urn. Mm-hmm. And so all the lights are off and, you know, the there's like thunder, there's like thunder going on and it's a dark arena with just this beam of light coming out. And the crowd is like eating it up. Like the crowd is pretty hot for this whole thing. I mean, you yeah. know, the Undertaker was a star. And um, then you hear the gong hit again. And then the Undertaker is shown standing on the entrance ramp. So I don't know why they brought out this casket, but they they did for some reason. And... um. Well, wait, hold on. They do use that a little later. But, um, so then Undertaker, you know, comes to the ring just as slow as always and gets to the ring. And now there's two Undertakers. Teddy Biasi's Undertaker is wearing black and gray gear and Paul Bears is wearing black and purple gear. Uh, I believe this is the start of like the purple gear being on the Undertaker. Yeah. And, um, and they, I mean, they do a good job. Like, you know, the other Undertaker, his name was Brian Lee who was the other undertaker. And I mean, size, I mean, he's the same size. He has the red, you know, long, the red hair, the red goatee, like everything looks the same. And I I swear, I don't, I I didn't look into this, but even like the tattoos look the same on like the arms. And I swear he has like painted on tattoos and it's really funny looking. That's Um, pretty impressive though. Some of them might be real. I don't know, but they, they do, they did at least like, attempt to do that so you know props to them so you know they they do a thing where they both like remove the trench coats at the same time and then the hats at the same time and and the match now is set to be underway and the match begins and harris it is one of the worst matches in the history of the world (laughs) no way It, it i mean it's two big lumbering wrestlers just going at it with each other, which is always a recipe for excitement. Mm. And, you know, I'll give props to Brian Lee because he has the moves down. You know, he has the moves set down pretty much of, of the Undertaker, except for his throat thrust. You know those throat thrusts Undertaker always does? And they look pretty cool. Yeah. And Kane Kane does them too. Those looked awful when Brian Lee can't did pull it. it off. No, uh-huh. no, they were terrible. He tried though. That's funny. I mean, it, it this match is just terrible. And, and the best part of it is the crowd is dead. I mean, silent the whole time. After the entrances and stuff, yeah, completely gone. Well, see, this is – the thing about The Undertaker is like – I mean, the whole carry, the, the whole legend of The Undertaker is that none of this should work. Right. But Undertaker magic is always cool. And you mm-hmm. always buy into it because right. he has this presence and the athletic ability to make it seem plausible. Right. But if you put him in a match against someone a lot like him, 
then it doesn't really work. It just kind of underscores how stupid the whole thing is. Well, plus, you can't have matches with two giant guys. It just doesn't right. work. I mean, I, I, right. I, you can't tell Vince McMahon that, but but it, it, it doesn't work. Because <laughs> you, you need a guy who can who can move and who can, you know, set stuff up and who can, you know, run the ropes and stuff. You need that presence and to have a good match. Right. So that's why, you know, you have Undertaker, CM Punk, and that's a great matchup. Or, you know... Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar, or Finn Balor and Brock Lesnar. Like, it works in that yeah. scenario. And um, so, I mean, but this crowd is is probably the deadest crowd I've ever seen for, like, a 90s wrestling show. I mean, because, wow. like, we were talking about, man, like, in those, like, bad WCW segments from, like, 99 or whatever, the crowds are still hot. Like, in these mm-hmm. boring Raws or stuff like that, that, during this early 90s period, WWF, like, the crowd is still hot. Like, wrestling crowds are hot in the nineties, pretty much at all times. Yeah. And this crowd is dead silent. I mean, it is so much so that like Vince mentions it on the air by oh, saying geez. that they're, That's how you know it's by really saying bad. that they're so shocked and in awe of what they're seeing that they don't know what to do. I always love it when they try to spin something like that. Like I genuinely respect it, like trying to save a broken right. story. Right. But it always sounds hilarious because everyone listening oh, it's bad. knows that they're full of it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Especially with it being Vince saying it, um, right? And There's I mean, one. Hang on, sorry. I'm just gonna the, the one that comes to my mind. I'm gonna throw you off course again. But speaking of CM Punk, the worst one that I can remember seeing is during that Money in the Bank match with John Cena in 2011, where at some point Vince is in somebody's ear, and it might be it might be Jerry, just loses his head completely. And starts talking about how, yeah, you know, this Chicago crowd was really hostile to John Cena, but now, like Rocky and Rocky Four, he's winning them right. over. Yeah, he's not. He's no. not even a little bit winning him over. They'd no. kill him with their bare hands if they had the chance. Yes, yes, no, one hundred percent. Sorry, I just no. I you're fine. Yeah, like you're that. right. Like it's so bad that they each do the sit-up spot at least five times each. During oh this match. man, that's too and many it times. doesn't get a single reaction any time, not one time. <laughs> I've never seen that spot not get a reaction at all, and ne- never one time does it get any any reaction at all. Um, I mean, there there aren't even any moves in this match. It's just guys right. running into each other, like the fake like the fake Undertaker. All right, are you in a wind tunnel or what? Sorry, it is a bit windy in my car, but it's good. How is Sorry, it windy inside your up. car? Well, I stepped out to get a breath of fresh air, and I'm getting back in now. Oh, I didn't see, know it would pick up. Get. I didn't know we were that sensitive. Harris, Professional this is the second. This is the second week in a row when Harris has graced us with his presence from his car. But I'm I'm like parked, talking on my phone <laughs> like a professional. I'm not flying down the highway on speakerphone like some sort of animal. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Anyway, sorry about that. So, That's the Undertaker approaching, Mark. He can hear us. Oh, oh fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Ooh. Anyway, though, but like like I said, there there aren't any moves really in the match. Um, but then at some point, the fake Undertaker does pick him up, just pick him up, and tombstones the real Undertaker. I mean, yes. he tombstones him. And Undertaker, now at this point, hang no, on, no, no. I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you one more time. Do the you you're now referring to them as the fake Undertaker and the real Undertaker? Are we supposed to know at this point? Do you think the crowd knows? At this for point, the most Vince part? McMahon is kind of saying that at this point. Okay. Okay. Um, and of course, Jerry Lawler, because he's the heel, has, is saying the opposite. Um, right. But anyway, so the fake Undertaker tombstones the real Undertaker. And the real Undertaker sits up immediately. 
no sells his own move. Um, and then he stands up and tombstones the fake one three times in a row and then wins after about 10 minutes of a total match. Oof. And he then rolls the fake one into the casket that they'd brought out. And the druids come back and they roll it to the back as the music's going and the match is over. And the Undertaker, the real Undertaker, has come out on top and is back. Hooray! But it's not over yet. Oh, no. Okay. As soon as the casket gets rolled into the backstage area, it cuts to backstage, and here comes Leslie Nielsen and George Kennedy coming through a curtain and seeing the casket. Of course. And they're like, here it is. Inside the casket is the true Prince of Darkness. And they open it up. Just to find that it's empty. And then George... Yeah, I know. Then George points over and says, look! And they go over there, and there's a case that's standing on the ground. And George picks it up and says, look, the case is closed. You've done it. You've solved the mystery. I don't know how you do it. Because the case is is literally closed. And, And he says, you know, and then he hands it to him, and then they leave. And that's the end of like that's how the pay per view goes to black, goes off air. Jeez. Is it with that? And well, we're, that's kind of fitting. We're, we're done with the pay per view and with the angle. Because apparently the original idea was that this angle was gonna continue, but after it bombed, the angle was scrapped. So at least at least Vince wasn't stupid enough to push his own dumb idea farther than that. I never knew that there was going to be more. I always figured that was meant to be the end of it because no. he beats him clean and right. like pretty dominantly. Right. But no, apparently there was uh, plans for it to uh, keep going. For How do you – man, I wonder how you escalate from there. At what this happens point, next? I, I don't know. I don't know. So I like – here's a couple here, – here's some of my thoughts. I like that this is how they use Leslie Nielsen to plug his <laughs> movie. I like right. that – that's way more fun in this wacky world of professional wrestling. Not to say, hey, here's, you know, like the guest host era and a lot of modern celebrities in wrestling is like, hey, we've got the Hugh Jackman here and he's here to promote his movie and he's the guest GM for the night or whatever. Like, I'm just kind of making stuff, you know, I'm, I'm not picking right. one specific example. Like, hey, it's the it's the guys from Jackass. They're here. They're hanging out. But I love that with Nelson, Leslie Nielsen, they're like, no, he's the character. Like he, <laughs> right? <laughs> he's he's not playing a role. He's just like this. You know, <laughs> that's know. so much more fun than if they were like, hey, actor Leslie Nielsen, why don't you book a match on Raw? You know, they at least commit to saying, no, no, this is what people know him for. This is the character people expect him to play. So we're just gonna work that in. Like, is it good? <laughs> Debatable. It's, Right, especially as a wrestling angle, but like right. they went for it. You know what I mean? Oh, they did. And I feel like people would remember this angle more fondly if it didn't main event the show. Oh, I mean, um, uh, no, I, I disagree no? with that. I think hmm. maybe there would be less animosity towards it, but I don't okay, think I don't fair. think anything would have made this any better than what okay. it was. That's fair. That's fair. I don't know. I just feel like you know that's one of those things. That in discovering wrestling for the first time I heard about and I was like, oh, well, that's like you get the appeal of it. It reminds me of um, this isn't my favorite streak match of the Undertakers, but it is my favorite WrestleMania entrance is um, 
I mentioned a buried alive match, and I always think of the one WrestleMania where, twenty. Right, right before WrestleMania, or, you know, a few months before WrestleMania twenty, Kane kills the Undertaker. Right, and it's the same deal. You know, it, a lot of the build is the same, and the fun is in watching this beloved character get you know screwed, and then you don't hear from him for a while. And then he comes back, and it's fire and brimstone and thunder and lightning. And he's coming, and he's going to get you, Kane. He's going to get well, this Well, you know what makes that even better be is he was buried as the American badass Undertaker. Yes. And yes. he comes and he back, back as, as the, the like, dead man. The dead man. Amazing. Right. That entrance and that moment, even though the match that Kane and Undertaker have is nothing that special. It's right. fine. But it, it reminds me again, kind of like this. It's just two big, slow men. It doesn't work that well. No. But it doesn't matter because all of the fun is like, oh, the Undertaker's back. And it's done, like you said, it's done 10 times as well because it's the real dead man Undertaker again. Mm-hmm. And Kane doesn't have to play this stoic, fake Undertaker. He gets to play it like this terrified lunatic <laughs> who knows that he's about to just get wrecked. And then he does. Yep. But there's a part, like, I, I get it objectively like a lot of the fun is just kind of from watching the undertaker play mind games with people i think the fact that we remember it at all and remember it so negatively is because it's a bad cartoon with a you know bad comedy angle attached to it and it may have entered the show over like a stone cold classic that we got in the steel cage match you know what i mean that being said, I haven't right. watched the match, so I understand that you probably feel more strongly about it than I do. Oh, it's horrible. It's one of the worst things I've ever sat through and watched. It is, it's the most boring match in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, and I know you said, oh, well, it's he no-sold his own finisher. Mark, we've been over this. It's because the fake Undertaker can't <laughs> deliver the tombstone as well as the real Undertaker can. That's oh, how you know whatever. he's the fake one, because he sucks at a tombstone. Whatever. Although I guess Undertaker had to hit it three times. Right? So yeah, he did. He hit it three times in a row. Although he didn't pin him any of those times. Like he just he just literally hit it, picked him back up, hit him again, picked him back up, right. hit him again. Oh boy! But yeah, this was well, uh, this was something, and um, definitely want to uh, thank Mr. Bagshaw for it. Um, I'm not actually sure what what his real name is because his handle is called MG. I think MGB Bagshaw is like the the name on the Twitter page, and then the handle huh. is at Mr. Bagshaw. So I'm not actually sure what your real name is, sir. But we're gonna have to get Leslie Nielsen in here to crack the case. Well, he's dead. Okay. Well, you know, it was a joke, but thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the funniest thing that's ever happened on this show. <laughs> well, he's no, it's not happening. All right, cool. It's fine. Sorry, guys. Oh man, but yeah, that's the that's the story of the Undertaker versus the Undertaker from SummerSlam 1994. Oh, WWF was something, with Leslie man. Nielsen. That's amazing. Yeah, literally to fade to black on Leslie Nielsen. Uh, what what a, what a time! What a time! And they say wrestling is silly. <laughs> I know, right? Where did they get that idea? <laughs> oh boy, but uh, yeah. So that was um, that was this that was uh, this week's episode. So. Harris, do you have any other comments? I think I pretty much got it all, man. Uh, again, it's it it can be fun in theory, but no, that's that's too much. And it really is, like you talked about, it's the Leslie Nielsen on top of everything else. Yeah, that puts it over it the is. edge, you know, from like, oh well, this is a bit silly to 
what is happening? So this like, is it, this it is does... worth our time. <laughs> yes, that's what that that's what makes it a behind the gorilla episode. To be honest with you, because I've thought about it, I, I knew that this happened, but I never looked that deeply into it. Because I always thought, well, it's just it's kind of a weird Undertaker angle. No, it's a very weird Undertaker angle, and I never knew that. So I appreciate you bringing that to our attention today. That's oh, yeah. all I got. No, well, it was uh, it was something. It was fun. And um, I, I, I had fun doing it. So, all right. So right now, what we need to do is what we didn't do last week is talk about um, the current situation of David Arquette. So now we're <laughs> going to go back to our segment. This is our segment on what is David Arquette up to? And as uh, you heard just there, I'm going to throw in uh, some new music in for this this segment because I found a song, Harris, and I know everyone else just heard part of it, but you didn't because we're recording this live. But I found a song, Harris, called You Cannot Kill David Arquette, and it's by, it's by a group called the Black Math Experiment, and I've never heard of them before. It's, it's one of the worst, weirdest songs I've ever heard from, I okay. think it was from like early 2000s. Okay. Um, like weird, like new wave song or something like that. So I'm, I'm going to play a little bit for you here. Okay. And then I think we might start ending our show every week with this. All right. Because it, it, you just, you got to hear this. I mean, th- this is a weird song. Yeah. It, it, I, like, I don't even know how to explain the type of music this is. But it's this just, is not what I was expecting. No, it, it's it's an odd song. I'm here to tell you a story about a man created by God. No, a man created by Hollywood. Not MacGyver, not Vin Diesel, not Stallone, not Schwarzenegger. I'm talking about David Arquette. The man is invincible. He was in Scream 1, Scream 2, Scream 3. If they make a Scream 4, he's coming back as a goddamn cyborg. He was in Ready to Rumble, and he was a WCW champion for two weeks. He was an eight-legged freak when he battled giant spiders. Giant spiders, for God's sakes! He was also in C-Spot Mun, but only because he needed the money. And that's why... You cannot kill David Arquette! You cannot kill David Arquette! Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to tell you a little bit more about the man. Yeah, that's just... That's like the first minute. And it's just them literally just talking about different things, and it's amazing. Like, these people did it before us. I will give them that. This right, was so way we're before the us. Dice that they're not going to sue us for using their music <laughs> in our crappy wrestling podcast. Is that what's happening now? We're Probably. just going to add them to the list of people who we dare to sue us for publicity. <laughs> well, but we wouldn't get any publicity from this. Right. Well, I don't think they're popular <laughs> enough to get any, but that's, right, that's right. why we put them on the list and it's not going to be a problem. That's amazing. It's that's great. really funny. And I love that we aren't the first people to jump on this bandwagon. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there are other people that appreciate him and you need to listen to this song because it's it's worth it. It's terrible and it's great. Um, okay. It fits. Our so do we have any actual David Arquette news to follow all that? Uh, yeah. We well, apparently. Well, because the Super Bowl is today because we're recording this on Sunday and it's in Atlanta. So it's back down where you are. And um, David Arquette is in town because he's doing a big Super Bowl party with, I think, like with a nightclub that he's partnering up with his own nightclub. And yeah, so that's yeah, been going on down you, there. You sent me some ads for it. And um, also, he made a run-in in, at a uh, local wrestling show back. Oh, crap, really? Yeah, I know. You should have gone. 
And I should have. It was, Which uh, one was it? let me see. It's one that I actually hadn't heard of before. The only one I've ever been to is Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah, it's which not that was one. fun, but I know there's other ones around. It's called Southern Honor Wrestling, and it's in Canton, Ooh. Georgia. And it's once Ooh. a month in Canton, okay. Georgia. And David Arquette made he made a run in. He didn't he didn't have a match, but he came in and and uh let's see, he ran in during the Austin Theory versus Cody Vance match. And he diamond cuttered Cody Vance. Do you think anybody like popped? Like, did anybody? I mean, there, I found a video of it, was? and I, I mean, I retweeted the video of his run in on the on our podcast Twitter page. And I mean, no, there was a reaction. I don't think there was like a massive reaction, but there definitely was a reaction because, That's of course, hilarious. this is like the same night that you know the Young Bucks and Adam Page appeared at another local event in in uh, in Atlanta to save Joey Ryan again for like the third week in a row. Cause they're doing their <laughs> tour of going around to like local indie shows. Um, so I know they, I think that was the same night. It might've been another night, but, um, but yeah, so David Arquette made an appearance in, in Atlanta, uh, uh, somewhat wrestling appearance and you should have been at the show. You missed out. I can't believe I missed it. I should have been driving up to Canton for all these shows. I know. That's not, There's a lot of shows in Canton, really... man. There's a lot of shows. That's where Georgia Premier that's, Wrestling is, which I've been to several wild. times. There's which a lot that's of... like, that's not really in Atlanta. That's what's fun. It's in right. Atlanta in the sense that it's in the suburbs Right, right. But, but I mean, like, it's a good 40 minutes away. in town for the Super Bowl, that's still like an hour drive. Like, just yeah. to make a run-in at an indie wrestling show. That's very funny. Yeah, I know, but uh, but yeah, it's great. Apparently, they had a good crowd there, according to their tw- their Twitter page. I mean, wow. they had, I think they said they had like six hundred plus people there, so pretty uh, pretty good, pretty good crowd. But th- this is the tweet that they had for it. They said the hottest show in Georgia was last night in Canton, six hundred eight people from for uh, for a local show, and get how they word this: a surprise appearance from David Arquette, because as we know. Nothing is greater in this world than surprise David Arquette. That is the truth. And those people didn't those people probably don't even appreciate it. I bet I bet they didn't. I bet they, they got like not, the not what they should have form of surprise David that, Arquette. I mean that is, is the ultimate surprise David Arquette. Yeah. Is when you're at a wrestling show and he just appears. That that's my dream. Yeah. And um but it did happen and it was in my former and your current neck of the woods. So it's a shame that you missed out. I but. still have that song stuck in my head like, the entire time you were talking. I'm just doing it. sounds like a Weird Al song. Yeah, it does. Like, it really like, does. The way they shout the words at you and it's about, you know, someone who you wouldn't typically think a song's about. That's what it feels like. It truly does. And I actually found this song a couple of weeks ago. And for the past two episodes, I've forgotten about it when we've been recording. So I gave myself a reminder on my phone to mention that's it while funny. we were recording. Cause I had to, I had to do it anyway. So that's what David Arquette's up to. He's uh, dealing with, um, Super Bowl stuff. And then another thing is that, um, I know you're not in town, but your shirt should have come in yesterday. You're, uh, behind the gorilla shirt, Harris. Heck yeah, buddy. I'm so fired up about it. I had I had some uh, some shirts made with our logo on them, and uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I sent one down to Harris. Sent one to my dad, who has been on the show back for our David Arquette um, episode back episode three of the first season, 
And then I um I made another one for uh, the man himself, David Arquette, and I mailed it. I mailed it to him, and so we'll see if he uh if he gets it, and um that would be pretty cool. That'd be pretty. So cool. So just to clarify for the people, when you say you made some shirts, oh I made four. You made four shirts. This is not like <laughs> there's not a box in no, here. No, no, no. If you no. want one, these are limited edition. Yeah, like nobody so, wants these, so I didn't right, make exactly. any more than the four people that have actually been on the show. I mean, these are exclusive. These are for people who've been on the show. That that's what I that's the way I want to put it. That is a good way of putting and it. And there's only been four people on the show. And it's been me, Harris, my dad, and David Arquette. So it's a very is, exclusive list. It is. So if you want one, you you gotta be on the show. And you have to be worth being on the show. So we'll you can send us your request and we'll we'll vet it and we'll see if you're worthy of being on our show. But you know, that that's just how big of a deal we are. Just wanted to throw that out there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, that that's pretty much it. That'll do it for this episode. We've reached that hour, that hour point, uh, pretty yeah, much. Yeah, we didn't. So. We didn't go too long like we did last week. No, I knew this would be a shorter one, and so, uh, so yeah, that's it. Harris, any uh, final thoughts? Just on uh, anything? Uh, no, it's about it. Uh, if you made it this far and you like what you heard, please uh, tell your friends about us. Tell your wrestling friends about us. Tell your non-wrestling friends about us, because you know. We want to be their gateway drug to this sweet, sweet world of insanity that is professional wrestling. We do. Uh, go ahead and give us a rating if you haven't already on iTunes because uh, I don't know how podcasts work, but everyone says that's important and it I'm is. inclined to believe them. It is. So, you know, it doesn't have to be. This is kind of the rule we've adopted because we just do this for fun. Uh, we're going to blow up one day, but we don't, you know, it's whether you guys like us or not doesn't really matter as far as that goes <laughs> we're happy to do this if you like the show please by all means give us five stars if you don't I, look man just be honest you know life's too short to lie about podcasts on the internet it's but true. if you want to give us a crappy review like whatever you do just keep it wrestling related like if it's oh well this was the undertaker versus Underfaker of podcasts two out of five stars then give us two out of five stars but just go ahead and like put that in the comments so if you're kicking us we still least want to keep it wrestling related that's that's really the only request we have exactly also make sure and follow us on twitter at behind underscore gorilla and if you're a wrestling person wrestling fan wrestling page we will definitely follow you back too and then also you can follow me on twitter at marky mark brand and i'm at harris wilson say that again you cut out uh, oh sorry i'm at harris wilson <laughs> you get it that time? Yeah, that was better. So you can oh, you guys Harris. were missing out on some quality content if I never dropped my personal Twitter handle. Here. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you can then, watch me um, mark out for Bailey and Roman Reigns in real time every week, even when they're not on the show. Yeah, I know. It is annoying. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing is I have another podcast where me and my friend Ian, we go through and watch every single Batman movie ever made, animated or live action. We also talk about all the current stuff. Revolving uh, Batman and DC Comics, and that podcast is called yep. The Uncaped Crusaders Review. And uh, you can follow that on Twitter, at Uncaped Review as well, and you can find it on all the same podcast platforms as this one. So, thanks for listening, everyone. And um, again, I'm Mark. And I'm Harris. Have a great week. Have a great week.